Now the subject of devices, okay, so as with other things, uh, devices, mobility, BYOD, always being major subject in the industry. So something else I took off the website, on-the-go students, remote employees, and a BYOD workforce mean mobile and multi-screen delivery are no longer optional. Um, yes. So I, I'm guessing you're saying required. Uh, to say, to stay, I have really gray hairs that evidence that. Yeah. <laughs> to stay connected and competitive, uh, as it says, they're required. Automatic encoding ensures the best-looking and most consistent live streaming and video on demand across all devices. And, you know, define all devices, too. But, you know, Sean, uh, I, hey, listen, any company manufacturer out there, most of them are talking about mobility, BYOD, and you mm -hmm. are, too. So go ahead and expand. Well, it's, it's, you said it well, and you're very polite. Like, you know, any company that says all, uh, I started to sweat a little bit, you know, like, uh, but it is incredibly important if you are on the presentation layer of something that goes over the internet um, to viewers. And if you're going to ask an organization to depend upon you for, you know, being the way that these things are published, they expect this stuff to play everywhere. You have the same, you're kind of putting your foot, not to scare people, but you're putting your foot into a world suddenly that Netflix is in, that, you know, um, that, that, that HBO is in. Like, if we're going to put up a site, we will fail if it's like, oh, you had to have a PlayStation 3 to watch it. Oh, you have, you have to have an iPhone, but you can't have Android. You know, right away, all of a sudden, you're in this world that just got so much more complicated with mobile. Like, um, in 2009, 2007, you know, um, you, there wasn't an expectation that you were going to be able to see interesting stuff on your BlackBerry, especially stuff. You weren't even expecting to see a movie trailer on your BlackBerry, not necessarily your CEO talking to you for sure from your private video system. In 2015, whatever people picked up from Best Buy that day to use, if you can't stream to it, you suck. That's the technical term. So BYOD puts pressure on everybody, but especially content providers like us you know, where we've raised our hand and said, buy our content system, it's going to take care of you end to end simply, it's got to deliver to that place. And so now to make it about us, is that for the manufacturers, it is a stressful thing in the sense that um, the great Apple report that was done this morning, um, you know, these companies are fighting each other, they're, they're doing head fakes, they're doing things, they're, you know, Google wakes up one day and says, no more plugins, you know, and we're, we're enforcing that with Chrome five seconds after Chrome achieves dominance as a browser. These moves that these guys make um, affect all of us providers down below that we have to chase and continue to make our systems work. And so, you know, not to whine at all. It's just that's the challenge that we have because we've told our customers, don't worry about it. We've got it it will work with all. It'll work with everything that you're interested in enough to let get on your Wi-Fi, we're gonna be able to stream to, and it's kind of a challenge. That's how I see it. It's refreshing to hear that, Sean, because I think there are some manufacturers that still just don't get it. 
you know, I mean, well, it's it's hard to deal with BYOB from an integrator standpoint with end users because you know there's so many different um, devices to look at and the solutions that the end user has, you know, and and what can we help them to to achieve their goals. Um, and <laughs> earlier this week, I had a manufacturer come in to show me a product, and I what I thought the product was going to be was not what it was at all because I'm. I'm always interested in the whole collaboration. I want to know, fine, yes, what the presenter can do with their content, but I want to know what the end users, what the, the audience is doing with their content, and can they interact. And I thought that the device that was being shown to me was going to be able to do that. And then when I found out it was really just more for the presenter, I'm like, what? There's no back and forth? Like, and you're expecting like the presenter to be that upfront with putting all their information to help display it. Like it was a, it was a neat device, but I just can't see my being able to implement it. And it was like a, just another near miss. And there's a lot of manufacturers that they are aware of BYOD and, but they don't really fully implement it correctly with their solution. I totally and, agree with you, Krista. That's a and, great, Observation. And that's why, actually, I think, like, when I think Sonic Foundry, I think it does a really a great job in the higher education. Like, mo most of the time when I see that there's any kind of lecture capture or distance learning, probably 60 to 90% of the time, there's also a media site component to it that helps it along. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And But, but, I, but I, you know, this show one of the best things about it is the candor. And I will say that um, like our commitment to BYOD is described by me and a couple of other things, but like, you know, what we do has to work. Like for example, in higher ed, it has to be able to stream to everyone, even at the expense of some features that you also pointed out that are super important. So my product is much less interactive than some collaboration products like the 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 it is we focused on ease of the presenter like you as, you don't have to do anything you don't have to be aware of it like you know we have automatic you know 200 rooms turning on on the hour and stopping and everything routing itself to the right spot but the interactive back channel understands it's, it's very little it's like um the student can ask a question that it doesn't matter whether it was on demand or live that will get routed eventually to the teacher and they can reply but it's not this beautiful two-way experience that if I could wave a wand it absolutely would be why because we had to prioritize and the the so there are companies that just as smart as ours are like we're gonna have the feature set for the presenter and the viewer and they're gonna be great and there's gonna be a list as long as your arm of requirements and caveats about what operating systems and browsers it works with. And then there's us who are like, well, we're gonna deliver the full spectrum of service to the, that we can for the full spectrum of viewers and functions that are required, but it may be less. So I think you hit on something that's important that literally gets right at tough decisions that integrators have to make in recommending things to folks and saying, look, let's really get deep inside and say, you know, um, which, what and why is important to deliver in 2015 and 2016 and beyond and where are we at? Because the state of play is that 
there are still compromises being made for almost any system that's there. And I find honor in all of the choices that most companies have made, but they're definitely choices and almost no one does it all right yet. Yeah, that's true. And and, and it's, it is depending upon the standardization of the end user as well. And, and they, correct. they need to determine that more so than we do to help them. They have to decide what's their goal. Are they just streaming out? Do they want the interactivity? And sometimes they don't know. And a lot of times they don't know. They don't know. And you're better off sometimes in those scenarios, in my opinion, to deal to be dealing with the AV or IT um, lead for the school than the teachers because the teachers and the instructors and the professors are going to tell you what they want and it's usually not ideal or it's, it's one professor here. yeah or there'll be like one or two professors that are technology savvy and they'll get it and they do it the rest of them they don't want to touch anything like they I, I've been I've sat in classes in the last few years where every single time we're doing the same thing to, to link up the polycom system to the VLN to five other campuses and I see the IT guy in the room every single time because the instructors don't want to deal with it or I was on one of the satellite ends where we didn't technically have the instructor in our room and each time I kept my mouth shut I did not let anybody know that I was in this industry because I didn't want to then be the person would have been responsible for getting everybody together <laughs> <laughs> like everyone on this podcast in, in, at Thanksgiving, you know, there's somebody who comes up to us, my computer isn't working, my email isn't coming, you know, you're like, oh, here we go. That's my whole afternoon. Totally with you. You said it perfectly. Totally agree. Hey, hey, Sean, uh, to carry discussion further, uh, the way I look at this industry now is a 35, 35, 15, 15. So it's 15 drones, 15 IoT uh, 35 mobility BYOD and then 35 that other thing we call the cloud and mm. then it doesn't have a percentage but it's 4k um, <laughs> I, I, that's a pretty good analysis I agree uh, but anyway so the two of us had met two years ago at Infocom right. and there you were introducing your cloud your media site cloud solution and we had talked at pretty good length about that and uh, and now I see it is out there on the market. Uh, it looks like it's getting bigger on the market. And, um, you know, we talk about uh, cloud infrastructure, all right, which is growing uh, in IT, obviously. Um, and now talk about being on the video side yeah. in cloud. So uh, talk about how the cloud-based media site infrastructure deployment on campus in other realms, how that's going today. Well, that's, it's an area of significant growth for us. Um, what we're talking about here is that when we first released our video system, so a real-time capture system that captures full motion video and content and puts it into a, a web form, instantly. The back end that's necessary, that's obvious to folks who look one step deeper, it's like there's going to be a web server, there's going to be a video server. Where's it going to be? Well, in the beginning, for the first five to six years of, of this product for us, it was going to be in your data center, period. We are going to help you with our licensed software, get your data center up and running, as was the case with other products in the space like Accordant and and, and um, now Polycom and uh, others that, that made these sorts of workflow systems that brought video from a room all the way, you know, back of a hotel or whatever, all the way to the web. 
So just a few years ago, what we started doing is formalizing our ability um, that existed where if the client was like, well, we don't want it in our data center, we'd be like, well, outsource your data center then. You know, we can work with them, but you know, but t send us to a data center. And so when we started making our own um, private cloud, that was a key solution that was like, oh, we sh this, is, this is really needed. We had immediate adoption of more than 50% of our dot-com customers. And we have big customers. We have like um, uh, Fortune 1000 is our sweet spot in the corporate area. So what we saw is a trend that, that the majority of corporate customers wanted to have all of the video infrastructure, all or most of it in the cloud with us, like Dell Corporation and, and um, uh, different investment companies and things like that, uh, Fairview Health Systems, things like that. But in higher education, you know, they, you know, stir their own paint, you know, <laughs> make their own pencils, you know, grow their own food, and they have their own IT. And so they're like, we'll still run it in our, in our shop. So we had only about 5% adoption. And since I last saw you, we're starting to see not only the corporate grow, but that higher education is finding at least, there are more higher education departments and or entire schools that are willing to consider a cloud-based option. That um, there are big IT shops in higher education that run our application, but will still use us for graduation. They'll use our infrastructure for large events. So they call it a hybrid. So they still have a foot in running it themselves in their IT, but are using the private cloud. So in our own small part of the cloud, we found that when we could, when we could say we support Active Directory integration or federated security or whatever buzzword their security folks like, where basically you won't be able to tell the difference between whether it's in our data center or their data center, from a security perspective and that when we were willing to sign the agreements, the waivers, meet the standards that are out there in the industry, then all of a sudden whoosh, the choice, do you want the ice cream in a cup or in a cone started to be more even. Whereas for the first half of our product being out there, it would, we, you had no choice but to put it on-prem and that's how people wanted it is on-prem. And we think that that opens up opportunities and we've seen it go down market that we're finding that our application is more applicable to small and medium business than it was before. And we didn't realize it was the infrastructure that was daunting because, you know, we're IT nerds. So we're like, doesn't everybody have, you know, room darkening servers and, you know, raised floors, but we're learning that there's a lot more people that are like, I'm up for the application. If I can just pay for the dial tone, so to speak in the cloud to make it go. And so that's really had an effect on us, but on the AV integrators out there, we've gotten feedback that are like, hey, it's about time. Now they're putting together packages that are selling quicker, are affecting more people because they don't have to have this, you know, six month long IT conversation. Um, and it's much easier to go. So everybody probably understood that before we did, but as a company whose discipline came from big iron and making a product that was acceptable to install in your data center and all the disciplines that go with that. It took us a while to figure out just having it shrink wrapped and ready to go with a cloud option. It's been very good for us.
And I, I think you probably gave me that advice two years ago, Corey. And I, I'm going to give you no credit. I say, I had an insight in Orlando. <laughs> you said there was Four this. Miles. No, you were in a meeting. You said there was this guy. I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. Uh, I met him two, week, two years later on a uh, podcast. Um, but you mentioned hybrid cloud, and it is major enterprise strategy on the IT side. Uh, on this side uh, of, of the coin, uh, being an AV and video and all, uh, yeah, hybrid cloud. It's 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 already major enterprise uh, strategy. So you know that's if you're talking that language, you're uh, you're right out there in the mainstream. And the thing is, is that with what we learned about our AV partners is how excellent they have continued to grow and have become at network and firewall considerations because they have to. And the part we were bringing that was storage and your you know, web server and application support, and we still do when people want it, but we were forcing people to deal with all that stuff who didn't necessarily want to. And our AV integrator partners are on the sidelines watching this protracted extra chapters of the conversation that have to happen. And so they really like this lightweight you know, approach, get, expanding the applications use across the board to more people. We also see it as competitive because, um, you know, not all of the alternatives to us that are out there have their own complete, you know, private cloud system. They're like, we made a deal with Amazon five minutes ago, that's our cloud. And they're not in control of it, if you will. So that has helped us too. But I think everyone is going to have, you know, a cup or a cone, how do you want your ice cream? You know, every, I think every major vendor in the streamer, streaming space, the discipline is going to be, you have to do both. Because yeah. there's still defense organizations, certain healthcare organizations, certain education institutions with research that absolutely demand, to absolutely demand um, on-prem discipline. And a lot of the companies like mine, and the temptation would be there for us too, are like, good, cloud works. Let's not ever deal with somebody with a ponytail and all their demands to make it work in their data center. You know, um, and I just don't think that you can serve the world and not be able to do both. Yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, it, it sounds like it's a great, great option for the AV integrators, and I love how tapped in you are into the trend. So I want to ask you very quickly, um, about an article that you wrote in December of 2014 because I love it when people will put a stake in the ground and say here's our predictions for 2015 because now we're August. <laughs> so this is your opportunity to maybe revise your list or tell us how it's progressing. Any revisions or, or updates? Were you spot on? Uh, I was, I, I believe I was hungover from a New Year's party so that that I don't think I was spot on anything, but I, I think we talked about in our predictions, uh, important. I think, I think I set a very low bar. We said that this year is going to be significantly about big data analytics and search. It has been search yeah. is, um, I thought search would be more. Tell us about your search. When you walk in the door in 2015, it's not that I'll admit that the big data and the analytics are absolutely like, you know, tell us about how, what we're going to know about video and things like that. Search is just sort of assumed and it's there, but I think that the, it being the centerpiece is coming. Cloud, we've talked about, and I think that I've, 
I've revealed how it's transformed our business and how I'm not going to give Corey any credit. I'm going to continue to take all his ideas and represent them as my own. You're not the first, Sean. Don't worry. I, it's it. an industry. We all do it. <laughs> um, multi-perspective video is something that I really thought would take hold this year. And that's just saying right now the vi video plus content the webinar format is um, very powerful. And then now companies are able to do more than two. And people talk about it a lot. They want to know that you can do it. 2015 to me has not seen a particularly large amount of growth in doing it, spending the money on the third camera and the switcher and the working out the set pieces. They just want to know they can do it. They're willing to pay me for the licenses and the equipment that can do it. But are they doing it? Not as much as I predicted that they would be this year, but it's still pending, let's say. Campus and enterprise YouTubes, oh my gracious, absolutely important. Our system was very closed. Uh, we were proud of that. We were just like, look, you know, if when, when you make an asset with our system, we know everything about it for its whole life. We don't let it go. But we added the ability to export to YouTube from the library, export to Vimeo, whatever you want, flatten it out. And it seems to be the perfect combination. People want to have our stuff to curate all of the main stuff, but they want to have that outlet. It seems obvious now that prediction was spot on or more like a intervention was done and I admitted it. That's that one. And then collaborative video like um, is being used today. Um, that trend is crazy. That trend I'd want to modify and say, not only do people want to use collaborative video, they want to record collaborative video and repurpose it. They want to turn a two way zoom conversation into a podcast or a vodcast. They want to turn a, a distance learning class between this campus and Greece that was done on Polycom uh, video conferencing H.239 into a lecture capture artifact. They, they, they want, if it, was, if it was ever video, they want it to be fungible and move everywhere that it was. And so I kind of undersold that fifth one and um, we're reacting to it. So thanks for the opportunity to revise in August. <laughs> Let's just call it a mid-season revisal. It, it was an audit, but she was so polite about it that I almost didn't know that. <laughs> That's why you want to talk to Jane and not other hosts. Right. <laughs> Iron fist in a velvet glove. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to start our, our one of our favorite parts of the show, which is our lightning round, where we're all going to kind of blitz you with some, some questions, and I'm going to kick it off by asking you uh, what books you're reading right now. Oh, man. <laughs> it seems I read. No, uh, I just completed a book by Neil Stevenson, the ultimate nerd, um, uh, uh, called Seven Eves. And in the first page, the moon explodes. Period. Like our world right now, everything's the same except the moon just exploded. And what does that mean? And, you know, uh, uh, so, but it was excellent. I found it excellent. That's no moon. <laughs> that's a death star that's no moon it's a death star boy good movie quotes today for those of you who can only hear this and not see it yes johnny's wearing a, a death star shirt so and it's uh, now my brother from another mother <laughs> there you go bring the star wars on a saturday morning wow what do you know there you go love it uh in a world where you are the only other person that i know of because i don't know beyonce uh that listens to title what is in your playlist right now I just downloaded, I have a 20 year old daughter, so she tries to keep me, 21 year old daughter, she tries to keep me current. So 
uh, a classic man from Judea, if I said his name right, is and from Janelle Monet and all that group of, of folks from Atlanta is my latest album, also one from Zed. And, you know, I think I just downloaded Seal's Greatest Hits for the third time for my device on Tidal. So that proves that I'm also really super old and boring. It looks like Chris is smiling real wide right now. But also like a really good wide selection if you talk about Janelle Monet, like Seal and and Zed as well. Yeah. A a big big jump there. But that's a good, interesting uh, mix of music there. I hope so. (laughs) Sean, what's your favorite cartoon? Absolutely, positively, Speed Racer. <laughs> so you can't hear her. But Krista normally squeals. This is where she would normally squeal. <laughs> well, she, <laughs> That's also Sean. <laughs> oh, she just broke eardrums. <laughs> One of mine, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, my turn. So let me know if I'm along the, the right lines here, Sean. So, football player, a number 87, played for the Chiefs. Oh, man. Back in the early days. Uh, or I shouldn't say the early days, but my early days. Um, Super Bowl one, Super Bowl four. Am I along the right lines? Your his line name right is his name Aaron Brown. That's my dad. That's All my right. Late father. That's my late father. Yes. What? Check my mom. Wow. So, yeah, I grew up in an NFL household. Oh, my God. And I in- love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, anyway, to carry on in the future of video, I believe that's where you were talking about your dad and all, and how, interestingly enough, that when all the other kids' uh, dads were in the office, in the off-season, your dad was home. With an apron, uh, vacuuming. Yes, know. it says it all in the video. So now, sw- let's switch to now, where dads work from home, okay, and while other dads work in the office, and so when the little guy goes to school... And says, where does your dad work? Now, you said on the football field, maybe. What does that little guy say today when dad works from home? Maybe he's a programmer or something else. That is a really interesting question. I think that, that, you know, you're right. You know, I have to think about how that, that it's almost like um, it requires a a pastiche of sexism to, to say, hey, when I was a kid, my dad was unusual because he was at home because only moms were at home. I didn't say that, but that is actually what's implied and that's actually what was felt. And I was proud of him because he, he wore that proudly and my mom worked and we were all proud of that. Today, what I love is that whoever's at home and who's ever working, I feel like kids know more about what their parents do than they did when I was young back a thousand years ago in the 70s. And that when I, I know kids, I have employees, they work at home. They know what their dad does. I get to see them in the video. We're doing a video call like this. Um, and they know their their father's a programmer. Their mother is is running a chunk of marketing or handles their international stuff. And they're ready to jump in and help. And so I do think that that is a story that's an anachronism, to, you know, today because everybody understands the diversity of employment. And I find pride in kids in their parents profession but like I said at the top knowledge of it they understand it fantastic well I think that's a great closing thought and Sean thank you so much we have so enjoyed having you as our guest today you you guys have fun yeah it's been great Um, Corey you want to take us home 
Yeah, no, uh, th this has been fantastic, Sean. We met two years ago. Uh, you know, my other question was going to be, who do I call at Sonic Foundry for the royalty check? <laughs> uh, we can talk afterwards. Um, but no, we did have amazing discussion then. I'm, I'm really glad to see everything's gone so well with the cloud solution. Uh, I think Sonic Foundry is really a foremost company in the industry uh, with video capture and more. Um, really, really great thing. So again, Sean, thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for listening and we will join you next time. <laughs>